0: Listening to 9394, a music podcast with Travis Roy. Thank you for joining me on my very first episode. Why am I doing an entire podcast devoted to albums released in the years 1993 and 1994? You probably know the answer to that question if you're listening to this podcast right now. And who am I? I am just some dude. I'm from Michigan. I, I was born in 1980, so that means in the years of '93 and '94, I was a very crucial age between you know the latter half of 12 and the early half of 14. So a pretty impressionable and important time in my life, and I was really fortunate to be exposed to so much great music, primarily through some of the, a lot of the same sources that I won't even mention here because I will mention them numerous times likely ahead on the show and who am I speaking with I'm speaking with people just like me ordinary people just like you I, I'm not trying to find industry insiders just other people who love these albums and want to talk about them
1: so
0: what album am I talking about first Well, when I had the idea to do this podcast, Pavement's 1994 album, Crooked Rain, Crooked Rain, was at the top of the list of albums that I was interested in talking about. And fortunately for me, my good friend Chris Deary reached out and volunteered to talk about that album with me on this show. Chris is a good friend of mine who I've known for many years. We met at an event that we'll talk about called The Feast, uh, which we do yearly and get together with a bunch of old friends of ours we've been doing it for 25 years or so just spending a weekend together getting loaded listening to music a lot of these albums that we'll be talking about and so chris and i are about now to talk about pavements crooked rain crooked rain
1: (laughs) There, there he is what's up my friend hey buddy how are you? Good. How you doing? I'm good. Good to see you. Yeah, you
0: as well, man. Thanks for uh, volunteering to uh, come on this and and to be first even.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, well, I've been I've been on podcasts before. I knew you weren't going to do it with some newbie first. So it's not
0: it's not your first rodeo.
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no. Once I saw that idea, I was like, I got to get a record in there immediately before someone scoops it up. <laughs> and and you picked one of the best possible albums from the era. Yeah, I think uh, so.
0: One of the ones that definitely was like when I thought of the idea of the, of the podcast, I'm like, this is like top
1: of yeah. my list, you know. Yeah, so this is a good one to start with. Got it right here. Look, oh, on vinyl. Look at that. Yeah, in 2020, my wife got me a record player, and it was like one of the first first records I got. So it's nice. a it's a bad addiction we have going with records.
0: Hey, you know, I, I'm all, I got I got a few. I don't have that one. I did get the um, LA's Desert Origins the CD. Okay. version you know what i'm talking about like that double cd when they released all those double cds versions of it and it's like know, 30 songs and you're like whoa okay i got like alternate versions of everything and like everything <laughs> from the air it's like all right sit down for four hours and listen to pavement
1: yeah i was uh i was watching a lot of like old uh steven malcolm's interviews and stuff like that there's some really funny ones out there
0: yeah he was definitely someone who didn't seem <laughs> Like he wanted the fame or like he was interested no. in that level of attention at all. <laughs> so um, how do you and I know each other? Let's start there. How
1: do we know each other? Boy, I guess it would probably be the Feast, right? Through the Feast, of course. Through, through the Feast, I got connected with some Heartland guys when I went to Western Michigan University for a short bit. And 2006, I moved to Ann Arbor and moved in with uh, James Andrews and Govier, and they were – the feast was going to be there that year. And uh, I remember Mike asked me if I could leave for the weekend. Because <laughs> Mike, I, 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 you know, kind of passed by with Mike several times over the years, but I wasn't really close with him. And then he like asked me to leave. And then like two days later, he felt really, really bad. He's like, Well, I guess you know some of these guys. You could probably stick around. And I've been a part of it ever since. And the feast, of course, being a weekend long event that we do yearly where we just get together and don't
0: necessarily eat, but we certainly drink. Well, I'm very glad that he, uh felt that level of guilt because i feel like it probably brought you and him closer and it certainly i wouldn't know you really i mean i met you through that but we became friends like through the feast and that yearly event and other things of course
1: yeah for sure throw a bunch of trash in the in the trash (laughs) throw some food in the trash and uh, listen to music and uh, play some games and have a good time so yeah i mean it's amazing that i've been able to be a part of it and i'm certainly grateful for sure. I'm grateful that you could be a part of it too. Uh so how did you first come to this album? Do you uh do you have recollections? Yeah, so I mean, it comes out in 94, early 94, so
0: February 14th I'm, of 1994. 13 Valentine's. and
1: a half, I'm about to turn 14 that summer. So I'm uh-huh. in, I'm in 7th grade and you know, we're part of that generation of you know, we had a you know, great alternative music station in the Metro Detroit area and 89X. 89 And then uh you know we're an mtv generation so there was a lot yeah. of uh staying up late at night and i think it was pr- i saw the cut your hair video on 120 minutes yep Stop. i still remember like staying up super late on weekends for 120 minutes and when it was on commercial i would go over to usa up all night and they'd be playing some really stupid movies like toxic avenger and porkies and maybe silk killer stockings
0: the... over in usa
1: <laughs> attack of the killer tomato uh, killer tomatoes yeah <laughs> gilbert Gottfried, and uh and yeah so i saw the video and i was like wow this is really interesting and you know i started getting into a lot of that music around you know 92 93 a mm-hmm. lot of you know the grunge the pearl jams and nirvanas and uh yeah so that's kind of how i connected with this band and they just seem so different from like everything that was out and like you know true kind of indie fashion
0: yeah. You brought up two things that are going to be recurring themes on this show, most certainly, which is 120 minutes in 89X, the way yep. the radio station out this way, because they right around the same time in my life. Yeah. I mean, I was lucky to have older siblings that turned me on to some cool stuff as a kid. Yeah, and one of the well. things that, yeah, we're lucky for that. And one of the things that they also turned me on to was like 89X. So I was listening to 89X when I was pretty young, and it, but definitely um, 120 minutes. Uh, R.I.P. Lewis Largent, uh, who passed recently, you know, he was like the, the main guy about the time this came out. And I think he actually was in charge of programming, too. Um, so big impact, I think, on a lot of people's lives that maybe he doesn't get credit for. But, uh, yeah, this video like blew me away. And I remember uh, Keith Coomer bought this album on cassette and did not like it. And so yep. on the uh, during lunch in eighth grade, he uh, sold it to me, the cassette for eight dollars. <laughs> I was like, "Fuck yeah!" I'll, I'll... Yeah, it's a steal. Do you still have it? I still have the exact that very cassette, Amazing. and it still plays mostly okay. It's a little warbly at this point. So, what would you say uh, if you had to like put a gun to your head? What's like the best song or favorite song on this album for you?
1: Yeah, you know, that's what's so interesting, specifically about this album. Um, for years, I, I liked their previous album, Slanted and Enchanted, mm-hmm. a little bit more. And I would want to oh. say in like probably the last 10, 15 years, I, I've moved towards Crooked Rain, Crooked Rain. Mm-hmm. But I think what I love so much about this band is, especially this album, is... Anyone that enjoys this album, they could have a different favorite song. Yeah. So like I, I have a list of like my 12 favorite songs from the album, <laughs> but it could change from from day to day. Um, there's, there's 12 tracks on the album for those. not. Yeah, attention. exactly. I mean, <laughs> I, I think I, it's pretty interchangeable between like six songs, um, yeah. you know, between Range Life. Bold Sounds. Um, I really love Stop Breathing. Silence Kid and Cut Your Hair were kind of the two that I think maybe we heard on the radio more than any of them. And then, you know, the album Ender, Fillmore Jive, I've gotten so into over the last couple of years because it's a six and a half minute just like build up. And it has Uh this like almost like classic rock, like solo in the middle of it, which is just like so neat. And it's, you know, such a unique band. And their solos are always so like,
0: I remember first hearing the word schlock rock to describe the, the phrase schlock rock. And, uh, cause like their solos are so, I mean, that was one of the things I always liked about them. They sounded like anybody could do it in a way, but only they could do it together. Right. Like yeah. only they could be pavement. And I feel like if you like change any member, it's not going to be quite right. But it also, I remember being particularly inspired. Like I've never been much of a musician, but I played bass in a few bands and I was like really pulled on Mark eyeball because I was like, well, he, he does stuff that's like really basic, but also like, like it carries everything it's always like the spine for the songs in a, in a real strong way yeah they had such a unique sound gold sounds for me was probably the one that uh hit me the most but you're right like it's almost every almost every song on here is a banger and even the ones that like i'm, I'm maybe less into say like hit the plane down i'm yeah. I, I, i'm I'm hardly mad when it comes on
1: <laughs> yeah I, I think it's probably like hit the plane down and uh heaven is a truck those two don't hit me as much I, I think both of those are really hard to decipher the lyrics and I think that's also what makes this band so unique is like the storytelling tell- of Stephen Malkmus is just all over the place and you don't really know what he's going for uh you know going back to Lewis Largent and mm-hmm. you know in 95 he had pavement on it was just Bob and and Stephen and it's a really Awkward interview (laughs) because he keeps pushing this thing towards them, is like, Oh, you guys write a lot about the music industry and how you guys don't want to be big and all this. And they're just kind of like laughing at him and kind of joking around. Pressure making this record coming off your relative uh, largeness after the first album. Your reputation was so huge after that album. a lot to live up to. Oh, really? You you get to talk? (laughs) Um, We didn't feel the pressure not severely or anything like that. There was kind of a large gap there, so... Hey, uh, Steven, are you going to talk? Yes. Okay. <laughs> just want to make sure that. Do you feel any pressure?
0: No, no. It's, it's, it's Pressure can be good sometimes.
1: I mean, people pay tons of money for expensive massages. Steven doesn't say a, almost a word through the whole I remember interview. I yeah. And it's mostly Bob who... You know, if you don't know Bob, he, he's kind of like the indie rock flavor Flav. He's like the hype man for the band <laughs> because he's like, he just sits there and just plays that one like snare drum. Mm-hmm. And then he's always like hollering into the mic, something funny. Um, and that's another thing. Like so many of these songs, like at the end of songs, you just get these really odd tones and, and like sounds in the background. And mm-hmm. some of it could be just like hollering or chanting. And so a lot of it's Bob.
0: <laughs> that makes sense. And the album has such um a lively feel to it like such a like cohesive feel even though it's chaotic and i think that's partly because a lot of that kind of raucous yelling and playing that they're doing and that they they also include you know stuff like like we just mentioned that the, hit the plane down like how that ends and you hear all this like background experimentation yeah. and that kind of stuff and that's that kind of filters in throughout the album but in some places more obvious than others uh, do you have um, specific memories maybe tied to this album? Anything stands out to you, like in your personal life, that connects you to this album?
1: Um, yeah, you know i I don't I don't think there's anything that really connects me to it. I think there was a large time in high school where I really didn't listen to it very much, and I kind of rediscovered it in college. Mm-hmm. And I think the biggest connection that a lot of people from our our generation that were born, you know, late seventies to early eighties, I think. The big connection is, you know, when when this band came out, it they they look like just like us. It's like they're the coolest yeah. guys in the room, but they don't care that they're the coolest guys in the room. They're like thrift shop guys. Everything they bought was probably at a thrift shop shop to wear, and you know, they talk about skating and winter right. teas and and they're like
0: lanky or kind of floppy or pudgy, like depending on the dude, and just kind of just regular regular guys. I did the same thing as you where I kind of tuned out on them for a long time until I got back into college. Like in my early teens, I was really into the indie rock and then I got into like punk rock and hardcore and all this stuff later on that kind of like got myopic and my listening tastes. But Crooked Rain, Crooked Rain was one of those albums that I would just always return to. I never quite left it alone completely, but I didn't really dig into anything else of theirs. I, you know, Slanted and Enchanted, I remember listening to that. I got into this first and then went retroactively back to Slanted and Enchanted, which was a little bit weird because right about the time I did that, I walked into my eighth grade class and my eighth grade teacher, Mr. Taylor, was playing the album when playing Slanted and Enchanted (laughs) when I walked in. Amazing. But he was a very cool guy. So yes, it was. Yeah. But yeah, it's definitely something that it's like a touchstone to that time and place and like that part of my life. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. And you know, I, I think the variety on the album, and you can like see some of their like bands that had influenced them before. You know, you hear a lot of like early REM. You get a little bit of Sonic Youth in there. Um, I, I think the joke that I've always heard about Range Life is that it's it should have been an Eagles song because <laughs> it's got that kind of like country twang at the start, and you know yeah. that's 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 a really neat song as well. And uh, it is, yeah, like just some of those influence they have. I mean, even a song like Unfair when he's like screaming at the end of it, like. Get a lot of like Kurt Bobane vibes from like aneurysm in it which is like as I was sense. listening to this over the last few days I'm like man there's so many like crazy influence like guided by voices like if you just took a guided by voices song and extend it times 10 because <laughs> all their songs are 45 seconds, seconds
0: long for <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know that's those are good points I feel like it's not quite like noise rock you know what I mean but it's just kind of crazy enough to do that but also be reined in but as far as their their influences go i feel like they must have been compared to rem a lot because i definitely have read that in quite a few like a messier rem which may have led to them doing unseen power of the picket fence which was uh on no alternative which i think was actually 94 Mm -hmm. i want to say
1: yeah
0: where they you know that's just like a love letter to rem which but that but still like it's it's a love letter to rem but it's also kind of talking about the civil war Which kind of gets back to your earlier point about Malcolmus' songwriting. Like his stuff would be three or four things at once. Like, hey, I'm going to have a song about playing tennis and masturbation. Stop
1: breathing. <laughs> right. Like I was just
0: just kind of just wed these two completely unrelated things together. And yet it's going to make total sense. But uh, yeah, I never really got the sense that there's like a narrative structure to their songs for the most
1: part. No, not at all. I mean, you know stop breathing is a song that is like a very very slow like kind of ballady song that gives me like all these like influence from from like other groups and then it's like Mm -hmm. at the 217 mark it just stops and then it goes into this just like interlude of like all these different instruments going in and then they don't even say anything the rest of the song so Mm -hmm. it's like that easily could have been like a four minute ballad Mm -hmm. but like he sings it so slow but it to me it doesn't seem like a slow song because of like how he how he does it and it's I, I think it's genius I
0: agree it's it's one of my early favorites from the album and it's probably I mean these days I'd say gold sounds but if I had to pick a favorite but stop breathing's always been really high up there on that short list did you um mistakenly know or excuse me did you mistakenly think that Silence Kid was called Silence Kit for like 10 15 years like I
1: did? Well, that's that's what it said on my CD. What it fucking said. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it fucking said, man. It's so wild, yeah, so wild to think about it. And then, like, you look at the vinyl right here, Silence Kit. It's right there. Yeah, yeah, like, and
0: then, but you go like on Spotify or something, and it's like, hey, hey, wait a minute, who's this kid? I remember like yeah. learning that back in the day, and be like, no, I think you're mistaken. It's Kit. They're talking. It's a song about a drum kit, like a quiet drum kit. <laughs> uh so you're so you're still a pretty regular listener
1: to it yeah absolutely um you know i have slanted enchanted and crooked rain crooked rain on vinyl and crooked rain crooked rain has definitely taken the the crown in this household um for listening it's you know and those first four songs that you know end with you know cut your hair is just like what an amazing beginning to an album yeah and then you know you have a couple more songs then you get to the jazz breakdown you get to five minus four equals unity which is just like that just gets thrown on an album and i absolutely love that part of the album because it's, it's just it's, it, it's all over the place it's almost like they took six or seven different genres and put it all in one part of the album and it's that one song that's like two and a half minutes
0: yeah you know one of the things i always think is so cool about albums as opposed to their single songs is that they can you get the sense of someone being in the studio and, like, re-recording these multiple versions, playing with it, trying to find the right thing. Like, have you ever heard the, the version of that with vocals? No. It's
1: the shouting. It's the shouting. It's
0: the shouting. It's the man shouting. Yeah, it's, it's on LA's Desert Origins. It kind of works, but it totally makes sense why they literally just released that exact same thing just without the vocals. Yeah. But... They definitely, it seems to me like there's stuff that they, and this is speculation, but it seems like there's some stuff that they came in with a good sense of like, this is what we're doing. And there's some stuff that was maybe kind of jamming and like making it up as they went along, maybe sort of like that. Um, again, that's speculation, but it, it 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 comes across. And that maybe that's what is one of the things that's always been so great about them and and why to me they've seen representative about that time period and in, in the genre, that like inchoate genre of alternative or indie. And that it always seemed like it was being made up on the fly like this album just feels like it's like spontaneously bursting into existence as you're listening to it
1: yeah well yeah without without a doubt and it's back to your point where it's like could any other band put this out it seems like there's no egos within the band and they just (laughs) meld together so well i mean it's pretty much i I mean obviously they took a long break and hiatus and you know got back together this past year year and a half and have have toured a couple times well they got back together in 2010 too because i saw them then
0: yeah. um i saw them in toronto and it was incredible like they were a band like i i mean like i remember i was in a band that i like i had a lyric in one of the songs that was like if everyone writes them a nice letter maybe they'll get back maybe pavement will get back together and i actually wrote them like <laughs> an actual letter and mailed it to the fucking uh address that was still on the inside cover of crooked rain crooked rain like to send you know fan mail to they 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 listened because after like seven or eight years they they actually did give back together and seeing them live, man. I mean, I'd had like dreams, literally Mm. literally, like two or three dreams in my life about like, what if I saw pavement live (laughs) and I got to see him and I was like front
1: row and it was just, magic it was really incredible yeah and that's crazy to think that was 13 years ago i mean they came to detroit last fall and i just i just didn't have the opportunity to go see them. and i i really feel like i dropped the ball on that um yeah. you know and i wonder i want to ask you like mm. if they had stuck together in a, you know i think they did three albums after this mm-hmm. you know, what would they have been if they would have stuck together specifically through like the late 2000s or even like mid 2000s when really a lot of kind of the garage band indie rock stuff started like really hitting in the main stream again
0: that's a good question i mean you said earlier that there didn't really seem to be egos in the band i feel like there's not egos in the sound of the band but i always kind of got the feeling that Malcolmus maybe had <laughs> a little bit of uh, an ego at least on some things that i heard like i know that terror twilight their last like proper album from what i understand that was almost all Malcolmus's songwriting and like he was it was he was kind of going full jay mascus and like no
1: i'm i'm doing this <laughs> yeah i could see that
0: and so, and then, and then after they broke up, he, you know, he did Mal Steve Malkmus and the Jicks or just Steve Malkmus. So I feel like a lot of it would have gone that direction, which was, I don't know if you've listened to that stuff much. I've listened to it off and on his solo stuff. And it always kind of felt like the adult contemporary version of all of pavement. You know what I mean? <laughs> just like very, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but it was much more polished and like accessible, I think.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I listen to it, you know, here and there, but it, it, it's similar to, you know, you know, the pavement records after Crooked Rain, Crooked Rain. I mean, Wowie Zowie has 18 songs on it and it's all <laughs> over the place. Yeah. And some of it can be, you know, similar to, you know, the one that what's the one after that Brighton, Brighton the Corners. Yeah. Brighton the Corners. And, yeah. then, um, and then Terror Twilight. Terror Twilight. It's kind of all over the place. And some of the songs are really hard to get through. And then some of them are really good. But I don't think they just don't have the cohesiveness within like the album as they have on the first two. It does really feel like, and I I love all those albums. Of, well,
0: I love Bright in the Corners, and I love Wowie Zowie. Terror Twilight's never really grabbed me. There's a couple of ones on there, but a lot of times, the, in my opinion, the first album or two is usually the superior album of bands because that's when they're like still finding their sound and they haven't like fallen into regurgitating themselves and they're still like experimenting and that's yeah it makes sense that that would be their prime time for that do you have other things you wanted to touch on
1: (laughs) i mean it's i think what i love about them is and and it's within a lot of their lyrics is like we had this huge shift obviously in the late 90s or in the late 80s coming into the 90s and you know slanted enchanted is 91 and then like really that grunge you know era kind of hits and uh, i think you know what they're really good at doing is is talking about how like the music industry around them is Mm -hmm. like kind of shit but like (laughs) they also don't want to be these like big purveyors of like saving music as well um it's similar to you know the the Louis Largent interview where he's like, you know, you guys aren't interested in having success. And he's like, well, success in whose eyes, your eyes, the, you know, mainstream eyes, And, Mm -hmm. you know, they talk about in several of their songs of labels coming in and, and ruining bands. And it's like, Hey, we go to see this band and I don't really care what they say because they're just being pushed out by some record company. And, you know, it's, it's why they never, you know, really got on with a big record company. They're with Matador. And I know there was like a distribution Mm -hmm. deal with Atlantic, that um was able to get their albums more out to people but like they wanted to do it all on their own
0: yeah a- attention and fame is a career instead of like song making which is really funny, and also like they're kind of brazen digging at other acts <laughs> in range life in particular, right? Like Stone Temple Pilots and and, and Smashing Pumpkins always seem like, uh, it's like this is is this like a rap feud? Is this like a is this a West Coast thing? Like what's <laughs> happening? <laughs> of course, they're from Georgia, but yeah, that, that's a good point. They I think that it must have been a weird time to pop because a lot of bands were popping that. Two three years earlier would have gotten very little attention, but because mm-hmm. Nirvana and Pearl Jam had done so well and everyone was kind of like holding up Kurt Cobain in particular, um, I imagine to look at what those guys were going through and be and being like, Well, I don't want fuck all to do with that, I want to get paid to you know, I want to make a living, I want to tour my people to listen to my music, but I mean. I'm sure that there were people trying to call Pavement grunge because that's what they're just trying to call everything at that time.
1: Yeah, of course. And and I think what actually helped Pavement out is that, you know, in 94, obviously, you know, this is why you're doing the shows. there's so many amazing albums that come out, but so many albums from a lot of different genres. And I think that's what like we were really lucky to have by Mm -hmm. being that MTV generation and that 89X generation is that. An album like Jeff Buckley's Grace and then Soundgarden's Super Unknown can came out come out in the same year, and you can own both of those. You can, or you could have Portishead's Dummy, or you could have Bad mm-hmm. Religion, Stranger Than Fiction. It's kind of all over the place in genres, which was really helpful. Yeah, and then you get to like '96 through like '99, and like mm-hmm. what you start hearing on the radio really gets like kind of out of control. Where like everybody's trying to do what came in 93 94 95 and then it just gets a lot of like retread and just kind of gets boring
0: yeah i feel like uh, a point i will probably reiterate on this show a few times is that this was kind of towards the last gasp of music bubbling up and becoming popular and like people responding to it as opposed to it kind of being force fed to them. Not that that hadn't been going on in the in the record industry for a long time, that kind of force feeding, but uh, the Federal Telecommunications Act of 1996, which made it so that companies like Clear Channel could own 30% of radio stations in any given market. I, I remember like around 96 is when I stopped listening to the radio because I'm like, okay, they're playing the same Green Day song four <laughs> times per hour. Like, yeah. what the fuck? And if it wasn't like that or Blink-182, then it was new country or rap. And Mm -hmm. now it's just new country or rap, pretty much. Um, So I feel like the part of the reason that the era uh, is so important is not just because it was like this explosion of creative music that hit a lot of people like us in a really key point in our life, but it was also seemingly the last not I mean, not again like plenty of other good bands that come out since then but like you really had to seek it out whereas back then you could just kind of exist and it, it would find you even if you weren't looking that
1: hard yeah i mean that's kind of why we got into all of these bands and ended mm-hmm. up getting so many of these albums you know i mean there's probably a list of 50 albums from 94 that i probably owned all of them because they were so accessible and they were all in your face and it's yeah you know, you work with kids, I work with kids and I'm like amazed that like, I will bring up certain groups that we grew up with and they have like no clue. And I'm like, you have the internet, you can find like <laughs> live performances of all these people, but it, they don't know because none of that is like pushed in their face. You That's know, when it. We're, we were kids. We also grew up, you know, I'm, you know, obviously our parents are older brothers. We That's had classic point. rock. I mean, mm-hmm. I got into like 80s new wave and the mm-hmm. cure and Depeche mode from my older brother. And then once I'm 13, 14, like this is what's in the zeitgeist is mm-hmm. like, you know, the, the grunge and indie kind of, and you know, and punk era that starts mm-hmm. coming out. So it's like everything's so much more accessible for kids now, but they don't know. And I'm, I mean, I'm confused. Maybe I'm just playing old guy here.
0: Well, I mean, clearly this is a stay off my lawn moment, but no, I I think you're, I think you really hit something there because every now and then I'll meet some younger people like. And it'll be like a teenager and they're listening to Talking Heads or something like, fuck, yeah, the kids are all right. Yeah. But most kids, <laughs> you're right. Like they're what they're exposed to is pretty much going to be one of two genres for the most part. It's going to be like pop rap type stuff and country type stuff. Yep. I mean, all I listen to these days, other than the stuff from 93, 94, is like Tom Petty and Warren Zevon, because that's just like <laughs> what I was exposed to as a little kid. So I kind of go back to it, maybe. I don't know. But like now, but like, yeah, you're right. Like the kids today, I don't think they're that interested in our generations of music, which who could blame them? They they do have their own stuff to get into, I guess.
1: Well, it's like I, I would love to show the cut your hair video to a bunch of like high school kids and just see what they think of a guy sneezing out a cat and Bob <laughs> drinking the hair solutions and Malcolmus gets a crown and a scepter. It's like the most wild simple video <laughs> ever, but it like that's what like hooked me onto the band was seeing that video. I'm like, wow, this is kind of wild. And it's a really catchy tune.
0: Very catchy, but you're right. Like that was one of the advantages of videos at the time was that um, you could see more than you could get just more than the music you could get like that. You could get like a sense of what the guys in the band or the people in the band were like, you know, depending on how straightforward, like is it uh, sparks and slow motion and guitar solos? Well, you know, that kind of tells you one thing. Is it, is it like guy sneezing a cat and, or, or like Beck's video where they're like washing machines are fucking one another. Like, you know, it, if it's something creative like that, they're like, okay, this tells me something about these people.
1: Yeah. You know, I, I see Stephen Malkmus in that video and it's like, Hey, he's got the same hair that I got back in 93, 94. It's like kind of long, but not too long. And it's like yeah. parted a little bit on the side, kind of in the middle. Right? He looked like so many people
0: like that. I was friends with basically. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. All right, I got one more question for you, unrelated to music. On the day that this album came out, February fourteenth, nineteen ninety four, that evening on the network TV, that on the network TV stations, you had an option of a few choices. What would you have watched? <laughs> what would you have watched ABC's Day One, which I've never—I fo- don't recall this at all. It was like a news show, so I'm going to guess that's a no. No, I don't think so. The CBS Winter Olympics.
1: Oh God! Fox
0: was showing Point Break, the film
1: or over at
0: NBC you could have watched Fresh Prince followed by Blossom, Mad About You and Wings. There <laughs> you go. T-
1: oh man, that's tough. <laughs> what was the third option? Oh, Point, uh, point Break. break. I'm, watching point- I'm watching Point Break. I'm <laughs> watching Point Break. I'm definitely watching Point Break. I got to I got to get my Keanu and uh, Swayze uh, pickup. <laughs>
0: I uh I wish I was as cool as you, and because I knew you were going to say that, but I, I have to. I mean, like I. I'm currently watching Mad About You. Um, I watched Wings before that. I had no idea that they once were back to back on the same network. I had no recollection of that. Uh, but late at night, I, I like to put on something stupid and mindless. that I don't have to pay too much attention to,
1: and uh, yeah. So, how is Mad About You holding up? Because I watched it in the '90s, probably the later seasons with with Paul and Helen there. But uh, how's it holding up? A lot more, like
0: a lot more sexual than I remembered it being. Like I must have not gotten a lot of it because I was pretty young. Or I don't know what, but like, it's not like it's um, sexy. It's just like they're always like coming out of rooms with like <laughs> sex hair or like or like this literally an episode where, where like Helen Hunt starts to like go down on him. And, and like Paul Reiser like pushing her head down. Then someone comes to the door. I'm like, what the fuck is? Th- Whoa, this is a lot more uh, hardcore. Than- I remember that must be why I was on at 930 p.m or nine yeah, O'clock, a-
1: a- after after blossom
0: <laughs> yeah see they should have had wings between mad about you and blossom you didn't need blots or w- wings and yeah they, they fucked up the order there <laughs> for sure all right man well thank you so much for coming with me on this i appreciate it it's been fun talking about it with you all what song do you think that we should uh go out
1: on i mean it would probably be gold gold sounds go back You know, you said that's one of your favorites. Uh, you know, if I make my top three gold sounds is always in there. And you know, I think it's number number three or four on the album and it's just I love that song. I think it's actually five or six. It's about yeah, it's seven. It's later in there. it's like I think it
0: starts like Oh two. it's Okay. Yeah. But you're right, it's like the it's like the, the mountain in the middle of the album to kind of like come down from. Instead of like having the big song at the end of the album, what's you kinda of do. So. Oh
1: yeah, okay, yeah. It's after. Uh, it's after unfair. It's yeah. right before the little jazz. Yeah, the little the little jazz break. The jazz break.
0: So we'll we'll go out on that. Well, thank you, Chris. I really appreciate you coming on, man. And of course, tell us where people can find you if they want to listen to you more of you talking. Well,
1: I will be so drunk in the August sun. Just like old <laughs> songs. Uh You can find me at cdery1999 on Twitter. Uh, I also do a fancy baseball podcast called the Palazzo Podcast. Centered around fantasy baseball, obviously, and uh, yeah, hopefully uh, some people will be able to uh, hear this and pick up this album. That's Cricket right. Cricket Rain, Cricket Rain. It's fantastic. Uh, one of my favorites from 1994. And Travis, thanks for having me on. I, Anytime you need someone to talk about music from 94, I'm your guy. I will probably be tapping you again. Thanks, man. <laughs> you got it. <laughs>
0: The album Crooked Rain Crooked Rain was named by someone outside of Pavement, it was suggested or something. But the album itself was produced by the band Pavement for Matador Records. And you can find Crooked Rain Crooked Rain streaming on all major streaming platforms as well as still available to purchase. And that was us talking about Crooked Rain. Crooked Rain, thank you so much to Chris Deary. You are the best, dude. Thank you for coming on for my inaugural episode of this podcast. Very cool of you. Uh, It was wonderful talking with him and nerding out about this great album by this seminal indie rock band. And uh, if you, too, want to talk about an album with me on this podcast, you could follow me on Facebook, Look at 9394 podcast. Look up 9394 podcast. Or you can email me at 9394podcast at gmail.com. Or you can find my social media limited elsewhere, I guess. Uh, We can talk about maybe whatever album you want to that was released in 1993 or 1994. But one of the things I'm going to do at the end of every episode is mention an album that I'm personally looking for someone to talk about this album with. So while I'm open to whatever suggestions and I will cover many genres, I'm also going to, at the end of these episodes, talk about the album that I'm hoping to find another fan to come on the show and talk about it with me. And for this episode, I am looking for someone to help me talk about the 1994 album released on K Records called These Are Not Fall Colors by the band Link. Uh, I've always been pretty sure it's pronounced Link. It's L-Y-N-C. Um, but if, So if you're interested in talking about that album or really any other album from 1993 or 94, reach out to me. Thanks, everyone. I really appreciate your support. And keep on keeping... Um, hmm. And what's what kind of, uh, out? I need like an outro. And uh, I don't know. Rock on, dude. <sighs> Fuck. The music podcast with Travis Roy is a labor of love. It is not and never will be monetized. Please don't sue.